I've got a $5 N2C voucher idea for you and it actually comes from Homer AI by Oh My Home. Check out links below because over here in my referral links, if you play around the system and register, you're entitled to this $5 N2C voucher simply as a sign up bonus. So check it out, it'll help you understand property trends as well as your neighboring prices a lot better. And with that, let's dive on to today's podcast. Holding 6.5 million of cash, T-bills, SRS, and CPF, and also half a million in stocks. I had to find out more about this story, which actually came in to my email. I want to extract all the lessons that we can all take away from so that we can all become millionaires. Hi guys, welcome back. Without further ado, let's dive onto the case because $6.5 million in cash is great. But is it really real? I think you're also having this question, correct? And if it's real, how did it actually get there? That's where understanding the background is very important. The story reads like this. Hi Josh, I'm an avid listener to your podcast and you may want to study my case for your podcast. My wife and I are working Singaporeans in our 60s with a combined gross income now of 12000 per month. That means 6000 each. Staying in a 4-room HDB flat and still working. We have enough medical insurance for ourselves and children and they are all married and not staying with us. They are in fact contributing $3,000 per month. Fantastic, you have filial children. Looks like it's 1000 each and that's even more than what I give to my mom so I'm a bit embarrassed also. We have a low household expenses of less than $4,500 per month, including taxes and tithing. Car fully paid. Now let me take a quick pause over here. Would you be working also if you have more than enough for retirement? Six, seven million dollars. Would you still be working or not? Leave in the comment sections. Because for myself, I always preach that as long as the work is not too stressful, work is actually a good idea. You know, mental health is something like that. You need to keep your days occupied. Being bored is actually very unhealthy. You can get crazy being bored also. Not an exaggeration. So semi-retirement is a lot of what I believe in. It's a lot of what I preach on this channel. It gives you that identity and it's more than just a pay. You can be helping people. You can be doing volunteer work. These are all, you know, payless kind of a job. And when someone is senior like this instance, he or she can still contribute a lot to the team and to the company, etc, etc. A senior director can still contribute wisdom and experience. You know, my own managing director, he's close to 70 years already, an industry veteran. His reputation and relationship with authorities is very important. So we value that as a company. And for this case, it's a senior teacher. So very valuable teacher experience. A senior doctor is also very valuable in terms of experience. Each and every occupation, there's still a lot of ways to contribute in your 60s and 70s. So don't imagine sitting on a beach too much and getting bored. That is not an ideal retirement. Then the other part on low household expenses. I would in this instance encourage them to spend a bit more. You know, life is finite. You can buy great experiences with money. You can't bring money to heaven in any case. We all understand that. So you need to have a new mindset. When you have enough, you must be willing to spend. I guess they were very frugal all these years. So maybe now it's time to travel a bit better, stay more luxurious. It's time to experience life on the other side. And don't worry about the children. If they can contribute to you, I guess they are okay. And giving too much to them sometimes can be a burden. So that's my point of view. 
But let's address next. Where does this $6.5 million in cash really come about, correct? The story reads, We've actually sold our profitable private properties and holding now a of $6.5 million in cash, treasury bills, SRS and all of CPF, excluding $0.5 million in stocks. Mostly unprofitable now. Most were accumulated via properties and salaries, not businesses. This was a question I posed. Where exactly do you build up this money? Was it inheritance? The answer is only the wife's current forum HDB, which they are staying in, is inherited. The condos were fully purchased by their own income previously, and they've actually sold away the properties. The first one is a leasehold condo that had been rented out and is 20 years plus already in age. They've realized the capital gains and they wanted to decouple to remove the joint names. That is also a reason why I sold away my HDB flat. I wanted my name to be removed so that if property markets have a cooler period in the next few years ahead, I might re-enter the markets. So that's my own moves and something I've actually displayed transparently and I'll leave links above and towards the end of this whole discussion. Of course, I'm going to ask for more details, correct? So in a subsequent email, I actually probed a bit further. Sure, this will give you good details and also help you get good advice for your listeners. We are both full-time teachers since our late 20s with very slow promotion. Now, slow may be modest. Huh? Teaching is a good job. In fact, in my opinion at least, in 1980s, 1990s, teaching is a very good job. You know, Singapore, we went through from third world to first world. Previously, it was labor-intensive. Then we moved towards skills-based jobs. There was a new education system. That's why if you know senior teachers, retired teachers, retired principals, they usually have quite a bit of wealth. Because in yesteryears, qualified teachers were in big demand. That's why also my mom wanted me and my sisters to go into teaching. Back then, teaching was a very good job. We had a growing population. And I'll guess also that the older generation teachers earn above average income. So slow is very modest. Huh? Right now, on the other hand, we are having a declining birth rate. Supply and demand dynamics do not favor qualified teachers as much. So I guess the opportunities are also different. But let's read on a bit further. We are good savers and don't spend on our necessities and luxuries. As both of us come from below average families. We do overseas holidays twice a year, especially when my kids are younger. Fantastic. Spend quality time with your family. Don't chase fire too hastily. Kids, they'll grow up very quickly. Spend the right amount of time with them. You need not be big US holidays. It can be just in Thailand. I think quality is the matter. My highest loss was a new BMW, which I lost 20000 per year on depreciation. We have actually saved on local university fees because all three of my kids have full scholarships. Wow. Congratulations. I think that is rare. If my kid can get scholarship, I'll be so happy. Most of us can't. Uh, that is also a reason why they can save more money. But the point is this. You can have children also and still save up money. I hope this story inspires you. Too many a times I see in the comment sections, don't have kids, don't have kids. It's not true. Kids, yes, they increase the family expenses, but now they can contribute to the family, correct? And the main point is this, kids, they fulfill your life differently. My channel is DST Parents, so I'm definitely going to speak favorably for kids. I do encourage you know, you know, young couples to have their kids earlier than later. There's also a point I'd like to make. It's not how much money you make, but how much money you keep. They've been very good savers. But also that doesn't explain how to get to $6.5 million, correct? So let's think about the equation. 
let's assume last time when they were young in their careers, annual combined income of only $50,000. And along the years, they've received some pay increment, maybe all the way to $250,000 in combination. Then is it fair to assume that average pay across this entire 35 years of career is around $150,000? That means earned income is $5.25 million for both of them in total. Now let's assume that 40% is saved up. That means at most $2 million can be saved, correct? Something is amiss in terms of building up this wealth. That is actually in the magic of compounding. And hint again, where it's from is actually in properties. The first marital home is a HDB flat, profit of $400,000. The second home they bought was actually a freehold condo where they stayed for 12 years and then rented out for 13 years continuously. They have sold it for a profit of $1.2 million. The objective of selling this freehold condo was to free up both names to buy condos in each individual name subsequently. Then the third one is actually a leasehold condo. No ABSD, they stayed there for 10 years. And the thing is they panicked so during COVID. The exit from this was $500,000. So there's a comment over there, satisfied with profit of $500,000 when it was sold in 2020. Now this word of satisfied got me to think a bit deeper. It's actually okay to have regrets, you know, because quite clearly, if you're sold in today's market, you'd be way higher than in 2020. The overall index has actually risen by at least 20%. But my question also is, why is there a need for panic selling? There could be two reasons, my guess. The first is that the couple feels that they have too little of cash on hand, and they were really worried whether the world would change once and for all. So that's why they decided to cash out. The second is that they themselves feel that they have too much invested into properties. You know, DBS has this survey across Singaporeans. On average, Singaporeans have about 40% of their net worth tied up in properties. And quite clearly, now they're owning quite a few properties and too little cash and other assets. So maybe deep down, they felt that need to diversify away from properties and they panic sold away during that pandemic. I'm also thinking, why not sell away that inherited HDB flat instead? Because they were fetching some money and no need to shift houses here and there, especially during the pandemic period. Now, there are many reasons to sell your flat. And if you're also looking to sell yours, let me introduce to you Oh My Home, who's today's sponsor, and who I actually engaged to sell my previous HDB flat. With Homer AI, you can get to know your neighbor's selling price and keep track of all the recent transaction trends around your location. You can also use the calculators to find out your cash proceeds and also learn about your affordability if you're looking to sell and buy a new home. As always, look my referral links below and get your sign-up vouchers today. Back to the case, I've actually gotten details to map out the route that they actually took. Let's pull again the previous details. If we were to work backwards, that means this second leasehold condo was where they stayed from 2010 to 2020. Then they sold it off for their 500,000 profit and moved to the inherited HDB flat. The first condo is where they stayed from around 1997 to 2010. They've since rented it from 2010 to 2022, eventually selling it last year. So before that, from early 1990s to 1997, that's where they actually bought, lived, and eventually sold their HDB flat. So this gives you a rough journey to someone's asset progression in terms of house from HDB flat to condo and eventually it netted them some significant net wealth. 
As mentioned, they have now $6.5 million and he has actually kindly shared that CPF-wise right now, after selling the two condos away, they have about $1.5 million each. Take note again, they are above the age of 55 already. So my guess is, for example, the retirement account has about 350000 Special account, maybe 150000 And OA, about $1 million. Times two to both sides of the equation. This formula will roughly explain the total interest that they earn to be about 40000 plus each year. That will leave about $3.5 million in T-bills, cash, and SRS. I'll next like to summarize how much they have made to show you also a potential picture as well as potential gaps. Profit from HDB, 500000 Profit from freehold condo, $1.2 million. Profit from leasehold condo, 500000 All in all, this is $2.2 million. Mentioned also rent income earned, 3500 I think let's lose conservatively $35,000 per year for 12 years, which they have rented for the Frio condo. That would mean about $400,000 worth of profits. Now, all in all, this would mean that their total property gains across all these are about $2.6 million. If we were to map out holding cash of $6.5 million and half a million in stocks, that would mean that their total net worth is at least $7 million. And just now we mentioned about being able to save up $2 million at most from salary. That means the capital in the property has to be $2.4 million. The salary alone can't account for this kind of capital and this kind of savings rate unless I'm underestimating some numbers. My gut feeling is some parts of the story is still missing. But nonetheless, at this point, it doesn't matter already. What people have is what people have. We should genuinely feel happy for them. I would still say a big thank you for this generous sharing. We have enough details to find learning points already. And they are. Let me recap a few things. Earn well, find a good, stable job. And as long as you save hard, it's very easy to build up enough for your retirement. Any investment needs holding power because as you can see, the fuel condo was bought around the Asian financial crisis period. Money takes decades to compound. Very often people are impatient after one, two, three years of poor investment returns. It's also a reason why many people assume they can't make money on stock market because they see timeframes in one, two, three years, whereas property held over 20 years will show gains. Almost all equity investments would have also delivered that and beyond. As always, if you have benefited, smash the like button, smash the subscribe, especially like topics like this that help you in your financial journey, and I'll sign up from here. Take care as always. Goodbye.